0: You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today is Love Your Church Day, and we're going to talk about Jesus and His church. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Y'all are either going to keep feeling blessed, or you might feel a little cursed, because let me tell you, whenever a pastor and his wife comes back from a pastor conference or a preaching conference, he... They come back a little fired up, come back a little excited, come back with new stories they have heard. They come back revived. In the last two days, me and Carissa have been at Birmingham, and I've heard some of the best preaching I've ever heard. And I have been encouraged, I've been excited, and I've got things that I can't wait to share with you this morning. I wrote this sermon before I went, but I heard some new things that kind of pumped me up this week that I can't wait to share with you. I also. Heard some bad stories from other pastors where I was at. And it just reaffirms to me just how much indeed I do love this church. And that is what today, what we have put in it, in your bulletin, and what we've advertised today about is about loving your church. Love your church day. So we're going to talk about the church today. I'm going to spend most of the time in Ephesians chapter 5. But I'm going to look at three passages of Scripture, and we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 16. So if you want to turn to Matthew, you can go ahead and do that. But you're going to find today that the church is important. If you've not realized that the church is important, well, let me tell you, Christian, you're just you're behind a little bit because the Bible defines the church as being incredibly important. Important. It was Jesus who founded His church. And that's what I want to look at first. And that happened in Matthew chapter 16. In verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, Some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So look at verse 17, and don't don't neglect a piece of this verse. This is so very important, these two verses, starting with Jesus. Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Jesus answered and said to them, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I, I Jesus will build. I will build, and what's He going to build? My church." I will build my church. Jesus will build his church. And the rest of this is important too. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. That is one of the first places we read about the New Testament church. Jesus Christ, the most powerful man in history... The most influential man in history that nobody, I don't think, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, whoever, I think they'd all agree on that statement, that Jesus was the most influential man in history. The man that we believe, the man that the Bible says raised the dead. The man that walked on water. The man that rose from the dead. The man that could have done anything. He could have started anything. But the only organization that he started was the church. The only thing that he built was the church. This statement of faith, this statement of faith that Peter said, that you are the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. This statement of faith was what the church, the body of believers, was built on. That's why we meet Because we believe that Jesus Christ was and is the Son of God. That He died. That He gave His life for us as a ransom for many. This bold, certain statement that this Jesus was far more than just a man. He was and still is God in the flesh. And He built His church. That's why we're here today. The church is defined really in the Bible. As two things. As two things. So fast forward a little bit to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Some of this is in your bulletin, and I think it's important that you realize this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, first off in verse 12, It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one, so also is Christ. Skip down to verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, All the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. That is what the church is. It is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. In your bulletin, in the first part of this, and where it says about us, that is what I tried to mimic as our about us statement. We're more than just a group of people. We're a family. We are the body of Christ. That is one way that Paul described the church. We are the body. That word member, that is where the word member comes from. We're all members of the body. We're not a country club. We're not a social club. We're not the body of Liddyville. We're not a charity group. We're not a political group. We're not a nonprofit organization. But we are the hands and we are the feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Church, let me tell you something. If you're a church member, if you are a member, if you are saved, if you're born again, you belong to the church. You belong to Jesus and you have a part. You have a part in Jesus' church. So that's one way the church is defined as the body. Does anybody else does anybody know how the second way the church is defined? The body. And another way the church is defined is the bride of Christ. So you can look in Ephesians 5, verse 23. Now we read this, and I've read this a hundred times, and if you have marriage issues, if you want to know how your marriage should look, this is a good place to look. But in reality, this is more than just about a husband and a wife. It's about Christ and the church. It says in verse 22, "...for the husband..." is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. There's that phrase again, the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also Loved the church and gave himself for her. What's today? Love your church day. This is what it says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So so husbands ought to love their own wives as their bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, it, nourish, nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. There you see body and bride coming back. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So you read the New Testament, you read what Jesus said, and you read what Paul says, and you read countless other verses in the Bible. And I don't see how you could come away with any other conclusion that the church is defined as the body and the bride of Christ. And I don't see how you could come away with any other conclusion that the church, the body and bride of Christ, is extremely important to Jesus Christ himself. So just a few points that I'm just going to bring out to you. A few common sense points that I think we could all agree on reading God's holy word today. And here's number one. You cannot, you cannot love Jesus and hate his wife. I just don't believe it can happen. There's no way that somebody can claim to love Jesus and hate his church. Other than that, I don't think there's any way you can love Jesus and pervert his church. I don't think that's possible. So listen to me. For anyone that claims to love Jesus and at the same time slanders his church, because it is his church. It's like attacking Jesus himself or like going after his wife. And simply put, this will offend a lot of people, perhaps listening to the podcast. Simply put, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I doubt doubt the salvation of somebody that says, I love Jesus, but has nothing to do with their church. It just doesn't make sense to me. It absolutely makes no sense. When you see how important the church is to Jesus as the body and the bride, for somebody to say, I love Jesus and it has nothing to do with His church, I just question their salvation. But listen, church, I I take great comfort in this. Look at how much Jesus loves His church. Remember, Jesus loves Beth River Baptist Church. He died for Beth River Baptist Church. And he's coming back for Beth River Baptist Church. He loves his church and we should too. But it's not the steeple. It's not the pews. It's not the pulpit. It's the members of his body. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying for a second that church attendance equates salvation. But I'm telling you that church attendance and serving the church... Is fruit of one's salvation. I go back to Matthew chapter 16. I know this. If you read the Bible, you know this. But somebody else knows this. Our enemy, Satan, the demons, they know this too. Jesus said bluntly to Peter, "...the gates of hell would not prevail against his church." But that does not mean the gates of hell would not come against his church. Church, we should realize when we read this that the church has a real, real enemy, and that enemy will use every tool at his disposal to come against it. Listen, the enemy does not want his church spotless, and he knows that he'll never prevail against the church. Jesus knows that. I'll never know that. But I can tell you that the devil will do everything he can to corrupt his church. Everything he can to corrupt his church. And if you're like me, it doesn't take very much investigation to see that so many churches are corrupted. So many churches today are corrupted by false gospels. They're corrupted by false truths. And if he can't prevail against the church... Maybe he could prevail against the truth. I'll just twist the truth a little bit. I'll corrupt the church. So many things that are taught, even from behind the pulpit. Things get corrupted. The devil creeps in that church. He can't prevail against it. But you know what? He can throw some things against it. So many churches are split because of the silliest arguments you've ever heard. You've seen that. Silly divisions over the dumbest stuff you can possibly imagine. Silly distractions to take the main thing and put it as the back thing. And, church, I I just want to tell you if you look at this and you read this, if every member to the body is important, even the little pinky toe is important, I believe the enemy will come against every single member. The groom's eyes are on the bride. You ever been to a wedding? I've been, I remember at my own wedding. I stood at the altar much like this, and, and here comes the bride plays, and everybody stands. That's what the church is defined as. That's where the groom's eyes are. And that's where the bride's eyes should be on the groom. But too many times, too many times, the bride's eyes are somewhere else. Everybody here has probably been to a wedding, right? You ever been to a wedding? Imagine you go to a wedding, and imagine, like I just said, you get that image in your head, and here comes the bride, everybody stands, and the bride walks in, she sees her groom, this is it, this is the big moment, and suddenly the bride starts looking around her. Suddenly, the bride might even start looking behind her. How would you feel as the groom? What's going on? Does my bride even want to be with me? Maybe the bride even starts walking a little bit backwards. That don't make any sense, does it? It don't make no sense. But I submit to you today, there's so many church members. They get engaged to Jesus. They want to be part of the bride. They want to love Jesus, yet they don't want to be with Jesus. They're running away instead of running to. And it makes no sense whatsoever. So church, church member, I just asked you this morning, where are your eyes? Are your eyes on Jesus Listen, there is a reason that most of the New Testament in this Bible, this little invitation book, almost all of it, when you get past the Gospels, almost all of it is warnings and instructions to the church. You cannot read this Bible and come away with the conclusion that the church, the body and bride of Christ, isn't important. There's no way you can do that. Two simple roles two simple roles that we serve is the body and the bride of Christ church i just want us to leave here today i want us to leave here today fully functioning as both fully functioning as the body of Christ and fully functioning as the bride of Christ so listen first off as the bride as the bride I already mentioned it, as the bride, one thing that we should all do, and I really think this would just cure every problem that we have or could potentially have. As the bride, let's just agree to look to Jesus. Let's just agree to look to Jesus. Maybe as the bride, we need to just turn the TV off and look to Jesus. Maybe we need to pay a little less attention to Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever is wherever, and let's stop looking at them and just look to Jesus. Maybe we need to pay a little less time thinking about silly arguments and divisions and just look to Jesus. Maybe we need to spend a little less time on Netflix or Twitter or Facebook and just look to Jesus. There's so many things that's going on in our world. There's so many real problems and I get that. But I can tell you as the bride, our eyes should be on Jesus. And Jesus is taking care of things. He's working behind the scenes whether we realize it or not. But as the bride, there's something else that we're called to do as the bride. Look in Ephesians 5, verse 27. What does Jesus really want as His bride? He says that He might present her to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You ever been to a wedding and and the bride comes in with a big coffee stain on her dress? You ever been to a wedding where the bride didn't take a little bit of time to make herself pretty for her groom? Listen, this imagery gives us a picture that Jesus wants His church without spot or without wrinkle. He wants His church holy. And listen, as individual members, only you can control that. We don't like to admit it. We we try to redefine things. But whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever kind of sin it is, sin is dirty. Sin ruins everything. Sin stains the church. Whatever it is, even the simplest white lie is dirty and it messes the bride up. Listen, a simple question that you should answer this morning that you should really answer as part of the body of Christ is how are you presenting yourself to Jesus? If Jesus came back today and he looked at your life, would he be happy with what he saw? How are you presenting yourself to Christ? I never know who I'm talking to. I never know what goes on behind the scenes in your life. Maybe you need to drop the drugs. Maybe you need to drop the booze. Maybe you need to drop the lifestyle. Maybe you just need to stop being a jerk. Maybe we need to start loving our neighbor as Christ taught us to. Maybe we just need to stop, start representing the groom like He expects us to. Man, I think of all kinds of... it. just keep coming back to this image of a, of a groom and a wife about to get together. And I can, picture, I can picture all sorts of things. I can picture uh, a bride-to-be walking down the aisle in a dirty dress. That would be bad. I could picture a bride walking down the aisle looking around. That would be bad. But you know what I think would be the worst? I think what would be the worst is a bride walking down the aisle having an affair with somebody else. And there's so many church members... They claim to love Jesus, and they are having an affair with the enemies of Jesus. Church, we need to cut that out. If that's going on in your life, I'm just begging you to cut it out. So that's the bride. Keep your eyes on Jesus and make yourself pure. Sounds easy, but it's it's harder than it sounds. But have your eyes on Jesus and keep yourself pure. But as the body, as the body... As the body, just a few simple things. As the body, we should all serve the body. Listen, Jesus was a Savior, but He was a servant. Just like Mandy talked about with the children this morning, He washed the feet of His disciples. And their feet, just imagine during the time of Passover, they were walking in sandals or barefoot around where animals were going all around. Their feet were disgusting. And Jesus still got on his knees with a towel and a basin and washed their feet. So listen, if you love your church, if you love your church and you truly love it like Jesus did, you'll find a way to serve it in some way, form, or fashion. This Corinthian passage that we just read tells us that we're all members of, And even the littlest part has a place. How are you serving the church? If you're not, start looking for ways to serve. You know, as I was putting this together this week, for whatever reason, I, I just got to thinking about it and I went back and I looked at my time at Beth River Baptist Church. And I could be off. I could be a little over or a little under but at my time here, do you know how many members I've counted that have joined Beth River Baptist Church? This, This just shocked me. How many members I've counted that have came since I've been here and say, yes, I want to be a member of Beth River Baptist Church? I counted 40. 40 members. Now, some have moved away. Some have moved on. Some can't come, and I understand that. But do you know if just half of them if I could have 20 members serving the church like Jesus served his disciples, can you imagine what this church would look like? But it don't work like that because we get a mixed up picture of membership. We think you come to church, you, you become a member, you pay your tithe, maybe and you're just in good standing, but if you want to be part of the body, that means serving the body. Second is support the body. In verse 28, in Ephesians 5, 28, it says, So husbands ought to love, ought to love their own wives as their own body, who loves himself. Um, I'm off a little bit. Well, he gave himself for, is what it says. He gave himself for the true, for the church. Jesus died for the church. So I just ask you, church, what are you giving to the church. Because it seems to me that most quote-unquote Christians give more of their time and more of their money to fast food than they do the church. I can't come to church, but I can make time for, for baseball. I can make time for Sonic. I can make time for this. I can make time for that. But an hour or two hours on Sunday morning, that's asking too much. Love the body. Love the body. That's what today is about, loving the church. We have a a pastor appreciation, and this church is so generous. Every whatever month it is, I always feel so loved. And I want to tell you, I love y'all too. I love the members of Beth River Baptist Church, because I may be a pastor, but more simply, I'm just a member serving the body. So listen, that's what it means to be part of the body. Let's love and support the body. Let's support one another. Let's pray with one another. Let's call one another. Let's check on one another. Love the body like Jesus loved the body. There's one other part to this. and I want to share this this story that I heard this last weekend at, at the pastor's conference before I get to this last point. And I want to tell you this this story disturbed me so bad that I literally couldn't sleep after I heard this story. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. If you don't know, they have they have a uh, agreement with Angola State Penitentiary. They offer education to inmates, and they also have a chaplaincy down there for inmates. There's an inmate whose name was Mavis. And Mavis was serving a life sentence for murder. It was kind of a messed up sentence because Mavis was sexually abused for most of, of Mavis's life. Well, Mavis just took things in her own hands and she killed her abuser. And Mavis got a life sentence for that. Seemed unfair. You could imagine Mavis was angry. She had resentment against God. And a chaplain started working with Mavis. And the way he described her, that her eyes were just red with anger, red with a hate for God like you've never seen. And just every Sunday he would talk to Mavis and just say, God loves you, God loves you. And she was cold, cold to the gospel. Well one Easter Sunday, one Easter Sunday, she finally accepted Jesus. And one Easter Sunday, everything changed. She found grace in the eyes of the Lord. She got forgiven, and things finally made sense. Well, the story gets even better than that. Louisiana politics, somebody relooks at her case, and Mavis gets released from Angola. She gets freedom. She gets to go back and live her life again. The chaplain gets in touch with Mavis, and he tells Mavis, he said, Listen, whatever you do, Mavis, I'm telling you, whatever you do, when you get out of this place, you find you a church and get plugged into that church. And that church will help you. You need to be part of the bride and part of the body. Well, some time goes by and the chaplain doesn't hear from Mavis. Time goes by and time goes by and you can imagine, thoughts probably enter the chaplain's mind that she's probably back with the world. And I don't know how much time went by, but he got a call from Mavis's mom one day. And he said, you don't know me, but I'm Mavis's mother and Mavis has committed suicide. Now, this is why I got so convicted about this. At this point in the story, you can ask Carissa. I reached over and I told Carissa that I know what happened. I said, I already know what happened. Nobody else, I don't know if anybody else in the audience knew, but what happened to Mavis? Here's what happened to Mavis. Mavis got out. And Mavis followed that chaplain's advice. And she went to church after church after church. But pastor after pastor after pastor, church member after church member after church member said, no, we don't want you. And on her suicide note, it said, I'll see y'all in heaven. Listen, that's why it bothered me. What if Mavis came here? What if Mavis was playing basketball in the parking lot? Look, What kind of people are we if we ignore what Jesus said? Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'll build it with the white folks. He didn't say, I'll build it with the black folks. He didn't say, I'll build it with the clean cut folks. He said, I'll build it. And oddly enough, something else that bothered me, how do you picture Mavis? This is something else that bothered me. See, when I closed my eyes, and I I was trying to picture a photo of what Mavis would look like. I never said the ethnicity of her. I never said her age. She could have been old. She could have been young. She could have been black. She could have been white. She could have been Hispanic. But church, I'll tell you, Carissa pictured a, a drug addict white woman and I pictured a drug addict black woman. And here's the truth. When I think about that, whoever you think, that's the kind of person that makes you uncomfortable at this church. So that's the kind of person you need to pray to have compassion towards. And look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Whatever happens, we would use common sense. But we're called to build the body, the church, and the bride is what the world is looking for. Let's share about our groom. Let's share about our church. Let's put the Great Commission into action. Listen, Jesus loves the church. He does. He loves the church so much. But He loves Liddyville. He loves the inmates at Angola. He loves the inmates at, at the detention center. And he loves Winsboro, And he loves them so much that he wants to make them part of his body and his bride. Let's be bodybuilders. Man, let's stop thinking about things in in physical terms and start thinking about things like Jesus. You could do a million little things and still not be part of the church. Jesus isn't coming back for those on the membership role. He's coming back for those who have accepted his invitation. He's coming back for those that have said yes to him. Are you part of the church? Are you part of the bride? Are you part of the body of Christ? That's the simple question, church. I would love, I would love Beth River Baptist church, Church's church letter to look great. But I want Jesus' kingdom to grow more than that. I want you to be part of the body and part of the bride. And the way you do that is not saying yes to me. It's saying yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? Thanks for listening to The River Walk today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. And I hope that you understand that Jesus wants to make you part of his body and part of his bride. Have a great week.